0: on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T dot com. Or you can go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. At The Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, we talk about what's happening in the world today, and we talk about the future, and we take a pretty unusual view of that stuff. To wit, we believe that there's a pretty good case to be made that the world is getting better all the time. We believe that if you're not excited about the future, you're not paying attention. We believe that something is going to happen, something wonderful. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen.
1: Hey, Phil. How are you?
0: Well, I'm great. It's great for us to hear each other's voices. I think this is a...
1: (laughs) We have had two shows now where, for one reason or another, at the very beginning, you, you know, I couldn't hear you, and and so you know we w- we winged the first time, and 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 you you were able to log back in, and and we went on with the show, but this
0: last Sunday, and not, we didn't have no such luck. It just completely tanked, and so it's, the show fell apart on us. So the, I actually have a theory as to what's happening, and I probably should have talked to you about this offline, but what the heck, with people listening, I'm just I'm going to have to go there, okay? Okay. I think that you've always wanted to do the intro. And that you were hanging up on me. Yeah, uh, I was or, muting you. <laughs> you you would hit the Mr. Mute button uh, so that you could do the uh, talking at the beginning, right? And and and, and it got carried away the last time, and now your whole you know plan to take over the world has fallen, crumbled like a house of cards. Am I right? Uh, pretty much. That's it. And
1: uh, after you know, apparently my soundboard froze, where I was unable to unmute you. And then I was like a deer in the headlights at that point. So that's that's what happened Sunday
0: night. So we're going to go with that explanation. Oh, okay. Well, I always think of that scene, and I know I know you're totally cool, but uh, that scene in uh, in Wayne's World when Wayne walks off the set and he leaves Garth there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that's pretty much it. I like that. Yeah. That's it. A... <laughs> and later they're talking about it, in Garth goes, "Well, I handled it okay." But... <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll... Yeah. yeah, it was not bad. No, I, well, I, I, I'm glad we're back on the air and, and things are things are working out hopefully we've we, we don't know that we have identified the source of the problem but right now it's the show seems to be working so we're going to uh, uh, we're going to assume that we have and, and and carry on as though we have so what's new what uh, what should we what should we start with well I wanted to give
1: from you Phil a update as to what happened the Monday morning following
0: that that strange
1: workout that you were describing for
0: us and uh, our Last full show. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, we, we talked about uh, a, a, new, uh, a new workout that I've uh, been following. It, it, I got it from Timothy Ferriss's website, the guy who wrote the four-hour work week. And basically this workout is all about um, doing very high-intensity, um, slow repetitions with as much weight as you can, as you can move a few times. And, and, and the idea is to, is to work out slowly. It's like five seconds per rep. And uh, do one set to failure. So every exercise you do, you do it until you literally can't move anymore. And um, I, uh, I actually do. Doesn't that work on you psychologically, though? I mean,
1: working to where you just, you just you got nothing left, and the muscle just involuntarily decides to not work. I mean, does that? How does that work? I mean,
0: well, I will tell you, I, I, here's how it works with me. I don't know how it works with other people. There are probably these really intense people. That it works a completely different way, but with me yeah. it 's like I go that's pretty close to failure i 'm going to call that failure <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <No, a> literal <laughs> failure or not that's close <laughs> enough with yeah. me it's like i 'm pretty sure i'll fail on that next one, so we'll just call it done here okay <laughs> um, so so i 'm not quite as uh, you know uh, maybe if I were younger i would uh, I would push it to absolute failure every time but um, but but uh, yeah, I reach this point where I'm going if i 'm pretty close, then then we'll count that as failure but but even um even doing it like that, even um, maintaining uh, the something less than, 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 than purity in, in the workout, uh, it is devastating, the effect. And I, I had said last Sunday that uh, I felt like, like I wasn't sore, but I was going to be sore. And, in fact, right. it was like still another day later before I actually just felt it. I woke up the next morning, I was just like, wow. And it's not even like sore, it's like just run over you know the old steamroller just just completely wiped out but but um but i like it it's a it's a good feeling and you can do the whole thing fairly quickly so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with it for a month or so and just see if i can uh, I, I don't think i'll be able to claim what timothy ferris did which was that he put on like uh 34 pounds of muscle in uh, in 30 days I, I don't think i'll do anything quite that uh, dramatic but then again uh, you know I, I i uh i take a little off the uh uh, requirement to go absolutely to failure every time, but I was telling so one of the uh, tell my wife one of the uh requirements of this is that everything you do you write it down right so you want to keep very careful yeah. track of you know how many pounds uh how many repetitions and did i did I complete uh, a full repetition uh within the set um or or you know what was it like did I do four plus one that didn't quite make it or or whatever and I was explaining to her that by the time I got to, the, like, the last three or four exercises, you're supposed to allow, like, two to three minutes in between. And by the time I got to the last three or four exercises, this is how intense this is, I literally could not grip the pen to write <laughs> for, like, you know, a minute and a half after doing it. I'm just like, you know, my hand just wouldn't work. So I thought, well… This is, you know, this. it's pretty intense. If, not, you know, if, if I'm not going to, even, even if I'm not going to get the the huge, bulky, uh, you know, Incredible Hulk body, I can at least, that's a pretty good story to tell. You know, I yeah. worked out so hard, I, I couldn't work my hands, so, you know, I couldn't make a fist. That's, uh, I want to tell you the, the sorest
1: I've ever been
0: in a workout like that, I, I, uh, a couple of days after the workout,
1: I couldn't shampoo my hair. I mean, I, want to, I literally kind of held my hands up next to the side of my head and then shook my head back and forth as if I was saying, no, no, you know. <laughs> just, just, I mean, I, I just couldn't move my arms. I mean, it was that bad. But, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I know, I, I know about that feeling. I just haven't. Yeah. That's, that's
0: yeah. That's a bad thing. I, mean, I don't know if uh, we, we probably should move quickly away from this because that show us the future—not two old guys talking about you know, how hard it is for them to lift weights. But hey, that's pretty good <laughs> entertaining stuff too. I, you know. I uh, we, so. Who we need is Michael Darling to compare notes with us because I know actually his uh, his his uh, his deal is tennis, and I think rather than uh, rather than uh, rather than lifting weights till he can't move his arms, he likes to play tennis until he blows his knee out. That's always uh, his thing. But, he's wow. not with us tonight he's uh, on a vacation so uh, to our friends in the chat room you're going to have to talk amongst yourselves Stephen and i will do our best to uh, occasionally throw throw in a comment but we don't have our chat host with us tonight so oh well michael if you're listening hope you're uh, hope you're having a good time up there in the in the mountains and you know come back soon because we you know we need your uh, we need your input but he didn't leave us completely empty-handed we don't have a chat host but he did give us a nice list of Topics uh, to discuss tonight, and I think we'll uh, we'll probably touch on some of those a little bit later. But before we do any of those, I want to give an update on our uh, race to the White House, um, fast-forward radio coffee mug competition.
1: Because That's right. I,
0: I've, I've I've got a winner. I'm going to declare a winner tonight. We're that sounds great. <laughs> we're, we're we're a week out from the election, and for anyone listening, um, we had uh, been going through the. Talking points of the two major presidential campaigns, of course, Senators McCain and Obama. Uh, listening for who had the most speculist-friendly agenda. Who would give us the most forward-looking, futurist-looking, uh, speculist-friendly, speculicious kind of kind of content anywhere in their uh, anywhere in their program. And uh, the winner of that, not the winner of the election, but the but the one who uh, gave us the, the the most forward-looking vision of the future, would get. A fast forward coffee mug, coveted fast forward radio <laughs> coffee mug. Uh, so. we, we
1: have to we have to uh, also uh, emphasize that you know the part, the winner of this contest doesn't necessarily even get our votes. I mean, it, oh, we, right. could, we, we could we uh, could we could you know say yeah yeah that's definitely
0: the. Uh, uh, In fact, the, when I tell you who won, you will say that's right. That person did not get my vote.
1: Okay. Okay. Let's.
0: Let's. Because we have got a dark horse surprise winner here. Okay. This is our October surprise. Uh, okay. For, for the uh, fast forward radio coffee mug. Because I'll tell you what, I voted last week, early voting. Um, okay. okay. I went in uh, to the rec center where I can do my weightlifting workout and vote. This is. We live in the future now. I mean, think about this. You go to some place, you work out and vote at the same place. That's pretty awesome. And that after cool. I voted, after I voted Thursday. And I got home and it's like Thursday night. I've got the TV on. You know how? Have you voted yet, Stephen? No, I have not. No. Okay. I, I'll You'll actually vote done. on the election day. So. Okay. Well, good man. You know, you you always are the late adopter for this newfangled stuff, and I think that's terrific. Right. Um, you know how annoying all those political ads are?
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> we're at this point in this long election. They yeah, they've gotten there. Yeah.
0: After you vote. Multiply it by ten. Okay, it's like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like the TV comes on. and Go no, geez, I already come on. You know, I, I I didn't want to hear this anyway, but you know, and and I I realized that I've just had it with both these two. Okay, well that'll uh, teach you to vote early.
1: See now now you know it it, it has multiplied your annoyance by ten. It, it has. I
0: thought I thought I'd be done with it, and it's actually made it worse. But I went back over. I was looking at statements both of them had made about space. There was this comparison, and I'll find the link. We can, uh, we can put that up in the show notes. And I'll tell you what, neither one of them said anything. I mean, obviously they didn't say space elevator, or we would have a winner, because that, that was our rule. rule. If anybody said space elevator, we'd have a winner. But neither of them said anything even remotely inspiring. You know, I, I mean, we, we don't have to have JFK saying we choose to go to the moon, but you know, throw us a bone of some kind. And and I look back over um, all the issues that we had reviewed before. I think where we left it was they were tied. Right. And I've decided they're still tied, and they're tied for last place, and I'm not sending either one of those guys a coffee mug, okay, because they've annoyed me with their ads, and they just have not provided the kind of vision of the future that I was looking for. Please tell me it's not (laughs) Kucinich. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Actually actually no. Uh we're going to uh we're going to award this coffee mug to someone who is really doing something to build okay. a brighter future. All right? all right. Uh someone who is raising four fine boys, all right, in in support of a speculist kind of lifestyle and who's doing it with this thing on her foot because she hurt her ankle. That's right, your wife, Sherilyn Gordon, <laughs> is the winner of the Fast Forward Radio coffee mug. So <laughs> Oh, I, I thought that this was open only to people that are actually running for president. I guess, did you write her in or something, Phil? I mean, I just changed the rules. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, you know, was hearing about Sherilyn hurting her ankle, I said, she should get a coffee mug, you know? Because, I mean, you, go? you know, she's out there helping you do your thing, making it possible for you to be on this show, you know, raising four kids who are all going to be great speculists. And it's like, that's really working towards the kind of future that we're looking for. So. Um, uh, you know, let that be a lesson, Senators McCain and Obama, you know,
1: maybe next (laughs) time.
0: Yeah, be a little more inspiring. This time the award is going to, uh, to a fine lady, a fine American, uh, and I won't say the next president of the United States, but Stephen's wife, So. (laughs) Well, she might, you know, I, I can't really speak for her, um. You
1: know, I've tried in the past and it never worked out. So, but if, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if, if, if one of these senators, uh, you know, wears a sci-fi outfit on Halloween night or something, you know, she might, she might, uh, you know, give up her coffee mug in favor of one of these guys. But and entirely
0: not, her choice. Yeah, entirely her choice. But barring that, she's going to enjoy coffee out of that mug. So outstanding. So we'll see to it that she gets that. And by the way, anyone listening who has won a mug, um, once again, to to claim your prize. Uh, you need to send us your mailing address to the, uh, the Speculous email address that's on the home page. So, uh, Stephen, you, you – uh, Sherilyn doesn't have to do that. I, I, know how to, I know how to reach you guys. But uh, we've had a couple – we've got a little bit of backlog of winners right now. So if you're listening, if you want won a mug, if you'd like to claim your mug, um, drop us a line. I went through the emails the other day expecting to get a couple of uh, mailing addresses, and they weren't there. I think you people know who you are. So – you know, I'm going to start using them myself here pretty soon. Well, well, our email, email address is, I believe,
1: speculist1 at yahoo.com. So that's correct. Thank you, speculist1 at yahoo.com. So just email us there, and uh, we will we will hear from you. It's not like uh, announcing that on air is going to give us any more spam. Um, no, <laughs> we're
0: getting plenty of spam. Um, in fact. Uh, some night we ought to take a little bit of time and just go through that mailbox and apprise our readers of all these outstanding business opportunities that uh, that, that yeah. are being brought our way. You know, I mean, we should share a little bit. <laughs> That's, That's right. Yeah, I mean, these are these are people that want to, like, for
1: example, deposit, you know, twenty-two million dollars in my bank account.
0: Right. You know, Right. And uh, and and then pay me ten percent. Uh, anyway, I, we we shouldn't get into all that. So. No, we yeah. shouldn't. But uh, yeah. hey, our, our our listeners are are worthy of that kind of success too but uh, we're going to move on to topics on the future and if you'd like to join us talking about the future this is fast forward radio on the blog talk radio network we've got a self-directed chat going on this evening we uh, don't have our chat host with us but uh, you're free to talk amongst yourselves in the chat room or if you've got a question for us or a comment on one of the topics you can give us a call at three four seven Two one five eight nine seven two. Oh, and that reminds me. Uh, I guess uh, since I'm running the switchboard, I'm supposed to look and see if there's callers, right? Yeah. From time to time, you might want to check. See if. I don't know how you do all this at the same time. You know, with the chat room and the all the topics and the. You, I'm, I'm going to send you a mug too. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, I think we should kind of uh, exclude ourselves from these mug competitions. Uh, you know, our listeners might think you know. That's got, right. It's going to seem like capitalism anyway that I'm giving one to
0: your wife. Probably, yeah. But. So maybe we should. It's not, though. I was inspired by her story, and that's uh, okay. that's the truth. So um, let's jump into talking about the future, and I'll tell you where I want to start, we, and, and I'll tell you where I want to end up. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about um, uh, Convergence 08, the unconference, okay. uh, because that's going to be our topic uh, on Sunday's show, and we're going to have some special guests, so I want to I wanna hit that last, and then we've got several things we'll talk about in between, but let's start with T. Boone Pickens. I believe you had an opportunity to see T. Boone Pickens in person and get an update on his plans for completely changing the face of the American energy landscape. So tell us about it. Well, um, I, without spending the rest of the show on it, let me just
1: very quickly say, T. Boone Pickens, energy guy from way back. He's been in energy in one form or another, mostly oil, all of his life. And, uh, you know, he wakes up about a year ago uh, in the middle of the night and says, you know, Honey, we got to tell his wife. You know, honey, we've got this problem uh, in this country. I don't. And who's going to, you know, who's going to warn people that uh, this thing is going to get out of hand with uh, sky, you know, uh, skyrocketing oil prices breaking this country before we can make the move to the next thing and basically crashing our economy, and uh, before we're able to take have the capital to move to the next uh, the next alternative fuel. And uh, her response to him was. This is so typical. This sounds like my wife. Her response was, "Well, you're going to do it in the morning, <laughs> wow. not three, not at three a.m., but you know, you know, in the morning you 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 can get started with the program." Well, that's exactly what he did. Wow. And and so his idea is basically this: that we have uh, in this country a lot of natural gas. A lot of natural gas is available to us in this country. We do not have a lot of oil. We uh, you know, of of the oil that's produced in the in the world, we use about 25% of it every day, but we only have about 4% of the world's population, and we have about that much.
0: Uh, we have about 4% of the world's oil, so. Um, does he break he, it down to the point of saying how much of that oil that we use goes into powering cars versus other things, or? Does no, he does not. He
1: just like says we use 25% of the uh, of the oil that's produced in the world, and we only have like 4% of the population. Right. Okay. So, and 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 so he's basically saying that this is unsustainable. Um, uh, we, you know, as other co- uh, economies come online, like China and India, and and they start demanding their share of the oil, which is only fair if you think about it. Um, sure you know if they've got the money to pay for it they're going to pay for it and so when as that happens and the oil goes up and up and up in price we are not going to be able to sustain our status as a developed country and in and and in response to what you know what is happening Russia and even Iran which has all this oil they're they're moving their populations to natural gas automobiles, c- compressed natural gas automobiles. He says it's you know it's it's a wise move. That's what we need to do. Um, this is a mature technology. We've got it available now. We don't have to develop you know battery you know like batteries like for the electric cars uh, that, that that you know that's that's been a, you know a very tough thing to do. Right. Uh, develop Develop uh, batteries for electric vehicles and things, and 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 he says, you know, we've come a long, long way in that, and I, I do believe that'll be a coming thing. But th- we, as as for moving to something today, here is what we have available to us today. Now, you know, one thing I have a couple of uh, critiques about what his his uh, plan that uh, I would have liked to have seen him spend more time on, and one was alcohol based fuel. Mm-hmm. This, you know, Zubrin's idea of using Alcohol-based fuel. Uh, T Boone just kind of glossed over it. Right. Um, he mentioned it, but very, very briefly. Also, shale oil. Uh, we we have like Saudi Arabia levels of oil in this country that's available, but it's in, locked up in shale. But um, there are companies working on uh, how how we can uh, how we can get that extract that oil. Um, and the processes have improved even in the last few years, and so. You know, it's not like the oil. We don't have oil. We do have oil. It's just that we we have to get sophisticated about extracting it. And so that's that's you know he did not mention that either. But his idea is to take uh, the take the natural gas that we presently use to uh, to make electricity, use that to power power automobiles. Uh, obviously, we need a new automobile fleet, and then. Um, and, and uh, we would count on other sources of uh, for our electricity. His idea is wind and solar. So, well, okay, go ahead, keep going.
0: And the problem with wind and solar
1: is that uh, the wind doesn't always blow and the sun doesn't always shine. And uh, that's you're back uh, to the battery problem, aren't you, T Boone? Huh? Y- y- <laughs> y- yes, you are. And and so I was, I was very interested in reading this article today. In um, the technology, MIT's Technology Review. Um, we may have an answer for t boone how we do this, where you know we can we can get our electricity from the sun and uh, and from wind and then use it any time of the day or night or when the wind's not blowing or whatever. Um, so
0: what's the idea there?
1: What are they? Proposing? The idea here is. Uh, uh, this this guy's just great i i love i love uh his theatrics as he's making this announcement. I'm going to show you something I haven't shown anybody yet said Daniel Nasiera, a professor of chemistry at mit so he's up on stage telling you know a symposium this I'm going to show you something and uh then he he cranks up a video and um can you see that? He says, exciting, pointing to bubbles rising from a strip of materials immersed in water. Oxygen is pouring off this electrode, and then there's another electrode saying, uh, you know, uh, hydrogen is pour- uh, coming off the other one. This is a future, we've got the leaf. And what he means by that is that he is he is uh, extracting hydrogen from water the same way a leaf does through photosynthesis. And um, Okay, yeah, is- I think
0: we've we've... Seen something about this, right? Uh, yes, we have. This is, but
1: this is this is new, and the reason this is new is that he's he's using different catalysts that have not been used before. Oh, okay, he's, okay. He's using cobalt that is making that is allowing this to be done and and for a, a net energy gain, basically. And so,
0: um, if, now, if, there, but there's a connection between this ability to produce um, hi, um, to, to produce hydrogen okay. via photosynthesis. And solar and wind, what's the link there between those? The ones? link is this
1: you use the energy from yeah. solar and wind to extract hydrogen from water. Okay, you use that energy. Okay. And then you got hydrogen for whenever you need it.
0: And hydrogen becomes
1: the battery. That's right. Hydrogen is okay. in the battery. And, uh, in, and that, it could be burned directly as a fuel or it could be used in uh, a fuel cell. Uh, to make electricity, uh, you know, there's a number of different ways you can use hydrogen. Then, whenever you feel like it, to you know, power whatever you need, and uh, and then you, so you could have a uh, a an electric power station running 24 hours a day off of solar power. Basically. you know, it's solar power first, and then it's hydrogen. But it's a, it, the the electric station is working is is working off the hydrogen, giving constant power to the grid, and that's important because. You know, uh, if if you get a certain percentage of solar on the grid uh, above, I think say twenty five percent of the grid, then all of a sudden you've got this huge problem because uh, you got huge huge power fluctuations between when right. the sun's shining and uh, and when it's not. And so, this is the way to store the power and and to have a steady stream of power uh, being added to the grid at all times. So, Although
0: on that on that issue, I believe we had something. Uh, one of the topics that uh, Michael had sent us is this idea of. Uh, a smart grid that is right. actually that is actually able to process that that load a lot better than the than the grid that we currently have. This is a model that uh, uh, that that some folks in the utility business are currently looking at, which is which is the ability. If you're let, let's say that the uh, photosynthesis producing hydrogen notion doesn't pan out, how do you deal with the fact that you're going to have a lot more power loaded onto the grid when the wind's blowing or when the sun's shining than uh, Than when it's not. This is um, this is specifically the the issue that that they're working on. And I would think that um, is is this fair to say that even with that model, you would probably um, be. Uh, with the photovoltaics, putting some of the sun's energy directly into power and putting some of it some of it into this hydrogen process so that you would have power later is that is that, that right that, that's fair and that's right um particularly if you were doing
1: it for your household okay let's mm-hmm. say you had a, uh, a a solar cell on your roof okay and you and it's the daytime and you're using electricity at that time, you could use it directly, and that's that would be a more efficient use of that power if you needed energy at that moment. But let's say all your lights are off. You've gone to work in the middle of the day, and you're 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 away from home. Well, then then uh, you don't need a whole lot of electricity. I mean, beyond the refrigerator or something, okay? And so um, during during the day when no one's there burning electricity, uh, you you could be building up hydrogen for use when you are home. And um, absolutely,
0: yeah, you know, great what idea. I mean, after dark or whenever you need it, you know. Well, now I see that Matt Dewing has joined us in the chat room. So, uh, Matt, you are now the official deputy chat host this evening. Okay, so, so (laughs) raise your right hand. hand. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Actually, you had it right. I'm I I am fast forward radio tonight because I'm logged in as Stephen. But uh, we're we're both we're we're both here. We're delighted. uh, We're delighted you've joined us and uh, and uh, get the chat room going. Michael is on vacation, so you can uh, you you can make the chat thing happen. Now. Getting back just to just to Mr. Pickens' overall idea, right? Um, and, and getting back specifically to the to the Zubrin angle. Well, the, the, the first question I would ask. Let me uh, let me put on the, the skeptic's hat here for a moment. Okay, and, I'll put uh, on the T Boone hat. Okay. Okay, uh, okay. You be you be T Boone and I'll be Michael Darling because I think he's uh, pretty pretty skeptical about us. Um, maybe the reason, sir, that you're not as interested in ethanol and in shale. Is because you don't stand to make a pile of money off either of those like you do uh, natural gas. Well, I'm 80
1: years old, he would say. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, you know, I'm
1: I'm not as rich as I was before this. The market crashed a couple of weeks ago, but I think I'm going to make it to the finish line, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, and and really, this is not about me. This is about uh, the generations to follow, and I am gener- genuinely concerned about uh this country and what's going to happen in not not in the next 20 years in the next 5 to 10 years and that's why I think that we need to uh we need to move immediately to na- compressed natural gas because it's ready it's what we have available to us now and i would say the process is already being put in place uh, there are municipalities that are replacing uh buses and uh, garbage trucks and things like that uh with compressed natural gas vehicles as As they retire old vehicles, they're they're replacing those fleets that way. And so that's bringing in some of the first compressed natural gas uh, stations um, into the country. And there are also about half a dozen um, long-distance truck lines that are uh, beginning to look at the possibility of going to compressed natural gas. Now, why would they do that? $5 gallon diesel is why they would do that. Um, They see the handwriting on the wall. They see that they're not going to be able to be profitable. Uh, At $5-a-gallon diesel, and so they want to do something that will be profitable. And the good, the good thing for them is the infrastructure doesn't have to be uh, – they don't need a whole lot of infrastructure changes.
0: Uh, two dozen – Okay, well, uh, this is where, I would, this,
1: this, this okay, is where I would have a question,
0: because it seems to yeah. me that uh, the biggest infrastructure changes all of all is that the vehicles themselves have to change. So right. I can see I can see where it makes sense for city buses – for fleet vehicles, even for your long-haul trucks, especially if you're going to put up a bunch of these uh, compressed natural gas stations maybe along the interstates, along the main, uh, along the main truck routes. But for cars, um, once you go the natural gas uh, way, you're, you're set, right? I mean, right. it's not like you're going to be able to run a car part of the time off natural gas and part of the time off petroleum or, or some other fuel. Is, is, is that correct? That's right, right. But here's how, the, here's how it could happen.
1: Here's how it could happen. Um, Long-distance long truckers—they need only a, a couple of dozen strategically uh, placed, uh, uh, you know, compressed national ga- natural gas stations to service the entire country. Um, these, these things get enough, uh, can get enough distance off of a single uh, tank that they can, you know, uh, two dozen would probably would probably serve them. And of course, those th- those would be placed. Where? They would be placed uh, on the interstates. Well, the early adopters that won't com- uh, compress natural gas vehicles because they're cheap and they also are very, very clean environmentally, um, they could fill up at home. You, uh, you can fill up uh, your gas tank in, in two to four hours, depending on how big of a compressor you choose to buy for your, at your house. Fill it up at home, and then that's a commuter car and if there are enough stations particularly uh, on the interstates that you you intend to travel uh that are servicing those big rigs then the, there's your option for long distance travel now it's you know that's that's not perfect obviously i mean you know you get in your uh you get in your gasoline powered vehicle you don't have to worry about where the next station is you know you you just you can just head off and and not worry about that but that's that's not, uh it, it, this is a this will be a slow process,
0: but uh, it's something that's not insurmountable. Well, why not? Why not join it with another slow process that we're trying to roll out? And that would be why not take all that natural gas, down convert it to either methanol or ethanol, and let it be a fuel that would then run in a flex fuel vehicle, which which all the cars in the country potentially could become uh, flex flex fuel vehicles, and it would just be a matter of getting that fuel out. Uh, to the gas pumps. Why, why not? Why not do it that way?
1: Well, um,
0: there's obviously the problem of where the alcohol comes from.
1: Tebow would argue, um, if, the, if, the, if it's coming from uh, from corn, then uh, you, you know you start starving people in developing nations.
0: You know. No, no, I'm talking about making it out of natural gas, right? You can okay. take natural gas and down convert it to either methanol or ethanol. Why not use that natural gas to make a liquid fuel? Which could then burn in, uh, uh, you then burn in the flex fuel vehicles. Plus, you'd have everyone else making their met- their ethanol and their gasoline, and everybody else trying to to use those same uh, the, the, those same gas pumps.
1: Well, the difference is efficiency. Okay. Um,
0: you know, uh, natural gas
1: is basically ready to put in the put in the your gas tank almost straight out of the ground. You know, we add we add odor so it uh, we can smell it when it's leaking. But beyond that, it's not a whole lot of processing needs to be done to this gas. You can put it directly into the gas tank, and then it's, and it's incredibly clean. Um, the emissions are basically oxygen and, and water vapor, you know. So um, it's um, natural gas is is, uh, is is superior for that reason. Obviously, you wouldn't be able to burn natural gas in 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 a, in a regular vehicle, though. And so you have a point there. So you know, perhaps. You could, uh, you could use natural gas to, to uh, up the alcohol fu- fuel supply, but uh, you know, you, at that point you start adding to the cost of, uh, of,
0: of the fuel. Okay. Well, let me just uh, say this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're having a kind of a virtual debate with a virtual T. Boone Pickens about his intriguing idea for using wind, solar, and natural gas to change the energy landscape of our country. And if you'd like to join us, uh, we've got the live chat going now with our special guest chat host, Matt doing or you can give us a call at 347 215 8972. So, uh, my response to that would be um, actually, maybe Stephen, I'll just ask you to take off your T hat. Now, do, are, okay. are, are, are you buying all this, or what do you think? Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying
1: uh, 90% of what T has to say. Um, I, I think that uh, alcohol is alcohol is 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 promising, and probably as promising as natural gas.
0: I, I guess I should say,
1: uh, as for full disclosure, that I live in Shreveport, uh, which is on top of the largest natural gas reserve in the United States. So, obviously, my area of the country stands to benefit uh, quite a bit uh if if uh we, if our country were to adopt t Boone's plan and go
0: and move to natural gas but um any right uh I, well I think I, we I, could adopt but my point is we could adopt it either way it seems to me it comes down to a choice between do we highly modify the fuel the gas right. to make it into something else uh which would then make it compatible right. with this other with this other plan or do we modify the vehicle right, right. so <laughs> so so that it can because it because it's a it's a it's a relatively modest modification that you have to make to a vehicle it's okay. like 150 dollars per vehicle. You could take a regular gasoline a powered vehicle. Yeah. yeah, you can take a regular gas power, powered vehicle, turn it into a flex fuel car. To turn a regular car into a natural gas car, I'm assuming is a much bigger step. Or maybe you don't even do it that way. Maybe you just buy a natural gas car. from no, the gas. you don't. You don't try
1: to you don't try to
0: convert it. You, well, there there are, there
1: are there are companies that actually can't do that, but. Uh, it's, that would, it would probably be more trouble than it's worth. You, the, the thing to do is to go out and, and just purchase one brand new, and there, there's only one that's being sold in the United States right now. It's a Honda.
0: So. Okay. So so it really comes down to uh, a question of scaling up the, uh, uh, I guess, the production of liquid fuel, down-converted liquid fuel from uh, from natural gas versus Scaling up production of vehicles that will burn natural gas in its in its pure form, and I would vote for uh, you know if it were left up to me, maybe I'm just a you know Zubrin got to me right because he talked to me for he was on the show you know <laughs> like the real Zubrin, not not the not not me playing the part. um It seems to me that that's uh, for, from the consumer standpoint, that's the easier solution. We get into a flex fuel vehicle, and then and then you make that natural gas something that I can just pump into my car the way I pump gasoline into my car that that's you know that's an easier fix than having to have a completely different kind of car now the 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 big objections it seems to me were uh were the two you mentioned one being efficiency you're going to lose energy in the process of turning it to alcohol and then providing that alcohol Uh, you know pushing that out to the to, to the pumps the other one is emissions because my understanding is that Natural gas, as you said, is virtually zero emissions you, you you get no bad emissions from that, but if you convert right. that to uh, ethanol there there will be some emissions, not bad, but there will be some convert to ethanol, and I think the emissions are pretty substantial right and so so that's a bad deal
1: right, and uh, again, you're losing some of the energy uh by way of the conversion, and so you've you've lost something there so. And your efficiency has been compromised by doing that. So, you know. yeah. But
0: either way, it would be good news for the folks in Shreveport. Either way, you're <laughs> selling all that natural gas for sure. So that's right. Now, how's he coming on his plan? Are people uh, are people saying yes? We're all about this. We've got to start building these wind farms. Or, you know, where is he well, in the process? Um, it, well, let me get back to Michael's
1: critique. Uh, he is personally building one of the wind farms uh, in a place called Pampa, Texas. Um, there's a place already uh in sweetwater texas that uh that, that that town has been revolutionized by all the windmills they've got all around there um and uh and pampa texas uh just north of there there he's building another uh wind farm that's that's similar in size and everything um and Texas is really pushing to build the grid to support this okay um His idea is this. In the middle of the country, we have uh, tremendous wind resources in the middle of the country, basically from south Texas to northern North Dakota. We could build a network of wind farms and then ship the uh, energy both east and west. Obviously, you have to uh, update your grid in order to do that. He says that it should be, you know, we built the interstate system with the idea that it would be strategically important he says that this grid is equally strategically important and uh, and should take on that level of you know, that level of commitment should be put into building the grid to take the power east and west um and also i mean while you're building that grid um you know the wind farms are out there um uh, producing power it's also a good place to build solar uh solar uh, uh collection areas so uh, you can take the power from those as well
0: okay. So, you know, it it's uh sounds like he's putting his uh putting his money where his mouth is right. anyway. Okay. So I mean, you know, we we will stay tuned and uh, it it's gonna be interesting to see whether whether this plan is adopted or whether it uh it competes with uh, similar but you know, slightly different models of, of how we need to move ahead with our uh with, with our energy future and uh I don't know. I I, I love the idea of the uh, of the massive wind farm covering the, just the middle part of the continent. I think that's uh that's a great image. And I, and I, I hope that uh I, I hope that he makes progress on on bringing that about because I just I think that's uh that's a very cool idea, but it uh, I I guess it remains to be seen whether his uh, uh whether his vision will uh will, will be adopted or or whether will end up with with some some he, other energy future.
1: Well, you know, it nobody ever hits it 100% on the head uh, when when predicting the future, do they? Um it's always more complicated or, or different from how whatever our, our predictions are, but I, I suspect that he is having an effect on the debate. Um, it's funny he's not um, he's not particularly happy with either presidential candidate. Um, you know McCain, uh, according to him, is all about nuclear power, and he thinks that that's wonderful, a wonderful solution for 30 years from now, 20 you know 20 years from now or whatever. It would take that long to get the nuclear power up and going to uh, to. Run our cars off of, you know, um, and 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 he says, and, and Barack Obama says what he wants to have uh, within the next eight years, uh, a million uh, new plug-in hybrid cars, and he's, you know, uh, he said, Senator Obama, there are 275 million people in this country, a million new, co- you know, a million cars that are plug-in hybrids. That's just a drop in the bucket of our of, of what we really need, and so that's. Not, not ambitious enough.
0: Yeah, so. more like 10 million, 20 million, 50 yeah. million. Hundred, is hundreds, hundreds of the, millions. You know, right. It would be the you know, scale. Yeah. It's the scale we need to be talking about. So. Well, and, and so if he's pushing us to think in those big terms, uh, even if none of it gets adopted, that's, he's doing a good thing just by right. opening people's eyes to the scale of the kinds of solutions that need to be put in place. Because uh, I. I I'm not sure that I'm completely sold on his idea as 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 a package, but I completely agree with him uh, with, with just the, 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 the notion of, of the size of what has to happen. And what has to happen is big. But I think there are big things that can happen, and they can come from, from different directions. And uh, I see in the chat room that Matt has mentioned uh, hydrogen is now getting a cost parity with gasoline in terms of uh, – in terms of fueling vehicles. and Actually, this raises another question for me. It's like, hmm, now can you take hydrogen, can you make that burn in a flex fuel vehicle? See, I, to me, everything always goes back to the flex fuel vehicle because if we can, if we can put everything into the gas stations that we already have and, and burn the fuel in the vehicles that we already own, it, it seems like we're, uh, we're that much farther ahead of the game. But that may or may not turn out to be the case. Even if it doesn't turn out to be the case, I think hydrogen is key uh, for our energy future, either by way of the storage technology that you were, that you were talking about that uh, that MIT has mentioned, ultimately, I think through nuclear fusion, which is the long-term future of energy, eventually we'll get there. And when we have nuclear fusion, we will have the true hydrogen economy that, that, that we look for. But an interesting interim thing might be something we've talked about before, which is this... Odd and some would say impossible technology that's being touted by a company called Blacklight Power. Right. And they, no, I
1: have mean, if they, if if, they, if these guys are right, then you know everything
0: else will be moot. Well, I think so. I, I, that's true. They might even uh, this this their method of producing energy might even keep us from needing nuclear fusion. In the long run, if, if because what they do seems to work. I mean, it's not—it's it, by no means the same process, but you get energy, sort of in the same kind of uh, almost free environment, right? You get—you you right. get, get a lot of energy for doing very little, um, to the point that, by and large, um, mainstream science and engineering community have looked at this and said, "It's a perpetual motion machine. This guy's a crackpot. This thing can never work." Well. I note from uh, a week ago yesterday, um, Blacklight put out a press release. I don't know if you saw this, um, but they announced the successful independent replication and validation of their 1,000-watt and 50,000-watt reactors. So um, they actually had – who was it that did this? Uh, made by Rowan University. So so they had a separate group. They, They had – uh, people that are not paid by them, are not part of them, not not part of Blacklight Power, a completely outside group, a university. They said, "Here's our here's our methodology, here's our process, this is how we're doing this." So Rowan University, their technicians, they said, "Okay, they put the thing together and it works. They're getting uh, they're getting a thousand watts from the thousand watt reactor and fifty thousand watts from the fifty thousand watt reactor." And I would want to hear from the university. I would want to hear from them. Their take on what they were able
1: to accomplish. um, When you got something as controversial as this, I don't want to hear it from Blacklight. I want to hear from the university.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, naturally, the independent verification is going to be reported by the company who had it done. I mean, I can I I can tell you that uh, working in the software business, um, when we do a third-party benchmark uh, at the company I work for. We'll do a press release, you know, touting those results. However, when that happens, that third-party company produces a benchmark report, an independent benchmark report, to show, uh, you know, to verify the results that uh, that, that are occurring in the uh, that, that, that are that are touted in the press release. So you're absolutely right, Stephen. There should be, and we should look for this, um, you know. Here it is, Doctor. Uh, okay, here we go. Rowan University's Dr. Jensen has released a report outlining the full documentation and results of the off-site replication and independent testing of the Blacklight process, and it's available. Guess where? <laughs> For Blacklight Power. <laughs> Blacklightpower.com. <laughs> they, 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 got, they got the link there, I guess. But... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I don't know if that gets you as far removed from uh, from them as as you want, but I, I presume you can go there. You can grab that. Uh, you can grab that report. And uh, at least that report was, according to the press release, produced produced by them. But I like your uh, I like the sniff test you're applying to that. I think that's I think that's very sensible that you uh, you know because potentially this is yeah. a very exciting thing, but we don't want to get excited about this until there is proof uh, and, and then a little more proof, and then maybe a little more proof. What is it that the skeptics are always saying about psychic phenomenon that extraordinary? claim require extraordinary evidence really, So require
1: extraordinary evidence I, you know I, I appreciate them getting more evidence but i don't think that the evidence amounts to extraordinary just yet i want to, i want multiple uh, independent verification and i'd like some explanation from somebody as to how this thing works beyond you know beyond what we're hearing from from the guy who started this company um you know it's apparently we've got a we've got a a a thing here that shouldn't work well that's fine a lot of things that we've done in the past we didn't understand and we just we benefited from electricity long before we understood electricity um you know and and drugs like aspirin you know right we've we've had aspirin for 150 years and i don't think we understand it quite yet how it works but um or maybe we maybe we've just learned the last year or so but um Yeah, we do seem to be getting
0: closer on aspirin. That's an interesting thing.
1: But we, um, you
0: know,
1: so maybe maybe we will be able to use it and not understand it for a while. But I I would like to understand it, or at least have some uh, have somebody that's uh, come forward that's a you know mainstream uh, physicist who says, okay, okay, I I see now, and then and then do an independent explanation of how this thing's supposed to work. So. And and here's
0: why here's why that's tricky. Actually, before I say why that's tricky i should say that this is fast forward radio on the blog talk radio network we're spending some time talking mostly about energy but other topics in the future this evening and if you'd like to join us you can join our online chat or you can give us a call at 347-215-8972 i think the reason um, that it's going to be hard to get that assurance is because one of two things is true about black light power if it works if something okay. is really happening one of the following two things is true okay either it works in a way other than the guy who's touting it thinks it works okay right so so, so either this guy has found a way to produce energy and he doesn't know what he's doing i mean yeah he, he, he is
1: uh he he had a, a brilliant brilliant accident
0: yeah yeah and I, and I mean doesn't know what he's doing in the most generous sense Simply right. that he misunderstands what he's doing, and he's producing energy, but doesn't know how. Right. E- either that, or uh, it works exactly the way he says it does, and the mainstream scientific community is wrong about how the universe functions. Right. So, <laughs> which is possible too. Either, either possible. is
1: possible. Either both both is possible.
0: possible. But I, I, I lean more towards he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Well, but but well, actually, um, I lean towards the third thing uh, that. It's it's still a it's still a big pile of nothing and oh no uh, if it works uh, assuming yeah. it works for a moment yeah okay. I agree okay. I agree the most likely thing is that uh, they'll look at it and they'll go oh it didn't really produce any energy yeah we thought it was but you know it, it it'll be cold fusion all over again right right
1: that that to me uh, strikes me as the most likely outcome at this point that is right. by
0: far the most likely but assuming you're getting a real net energy gain uh, right of the scale they're talking about that's when one of the two things I just said is true and if if that's true, then you got a big roadblock. You got a major hurdle that's going to have to be overcome before we'll really understand uh, how it works. Because either he's going to have to understand what he's doing, or the scientific community is going to have to come around and go, "Oh, I guess it does work that way," which would be the much more difficult of the two. However, having said that, what would push what, what would push us towards uh, crossing that hurdle? What would push us towards uh, clearing that roadblock and, and, and understanding what's going on here would be Well when we're all di-
1: driving down the road in hydrino powered vehicles uh and, and our economy is based on it <laughs> at yeah, some exactly. point we at some point we have to accept the accept the reality of
0: it and uh, and then figure out why it works. Uh, yeah, but, I, I mean before that power a city block on it for a year, right? I mean <laughs> right. you yeah. know at that point we gotta go, okay, well okay it yes, works. Something it works. is happening for sure. You know, I mean uh, yeah. We, we we wouldn't have to just look at a report that's on their website to say yep looks like they have looks like they have definitely done something here, um, but I think it's going to probably take that uh, yeah. especially if it really works and he's right about hydrinos. It, right. it's going to in fact it'll probably have to go closer to what you said we'll probably have to be living in a world where you turn on your light switch and it's black light making it happen uh, before. Uh, before the scientific community would be ready to go. Okay, well, I guess we have to make this. We have to make this shift. We've been proven wrong, you know, in the most uh, unexpected of ways. Right. But as Mel and, says, and uh, I would, as, I would love that. By the way, I just don't
1: buy it yet. I, but I, I, I got to say that, that that sort of thing um,
0: would, would be awesome if it were true. I, I, that would be a great story, wouldn't it? It'd be incredibly exciting. Yeah. You know, from from the standpoint of somebody who likes. New stuff. Who likes science fiction? Um, uh, y- y- you know, who likes uh, interesting scenarios about the future? This 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 story has got it all.
1: The, yeah, you got an underdog
0: who believes in his dream, and yeah, it's it'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but but as Matt says, uh, frankly, I would be amazed if it works the way Blacklight says, and I think uh, we would all be truly amazed if, if that's what's actually happening. Um, right, and we'll see. That that's the interesting thing. Either either they'll start producing power. And one of those two hurdles gets jumped, or we just sort of hear about blacklight every now and then for the next couple of years and then we don't hear so much. Right. It would seem to me though that blacklight is on this collision
1: course with reality. Um, it, it seems to me that it'll blow up in their faces if it's a big hoax, or we'll have we'll, it'll be proved to be uh, you know, a, a, a actual way to uh, d- you know generate power, power and, and we ought to know in short order. Um,
0: it it seems to me that, that we're going to know one way or another fairly soon. Fairly soon, we should know. Well, as Tom points out in the chat room, uh, moving their hydrono theory from academia to practical use is actually not a complicated process and quite easy to accomplish. So we shall see. Actually, I think even getting it into academia might be the hard part there, Tom. Um, uh, even getting uh, the... Uh, yeah, the scientific community to publish these results, I think, might be a a, a little bit of a I, I think point. practical
1: use might actually be the easier part. You
0: know, you just plug it into the grid power. and start producing power. I mean,
1: that's easy uh, by comparison to changing minds and hearts on this issue. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly right. Okay, so uh, I think we've. We've talked energy to death. What else did we have on our uh, agenda for this evening? I just want to throw out this trivia thing. I thought this was
1: awesome. Uh, It was over at Fight Aging. I don't know if you had a chance to catch it, but perhaps the oldest human tissue in use today. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Tell us about that. Okay, all right. Um, It's a cornea that was transplanted 50 years ago into a Norwegian man. He's now 80 years old. and it was transplanted from someone who had passed away that was had been born in eighteen eighty five. He's still alive and doing fairly well today. And so this particular cornea is hundred and twenty three years old. Wow, that's amazing. And uh apparently it's, it's it's uh uh you know, it's it's doing fine for him. And uh in the comments one guy was saying, you know, I hope this Norwegian guy is a uh is an uh, organ donor and yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> and that cornea goes on to service you know serve somebody else um i, I think the point that uh reason uh was making uh, in this post um is that different body parts age differently uh, you know our, uh, we wear out at different rates um we just don't often get to see how long a particular body part could last in this case we we know that the, that something as simple as a cornea can go, can go on a long time. Yeah,
0: there, there, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any uh, shelf-life issue for this particular cornea because at, at 100 and – what did we say? 100 and, 123 years of age. At 123 years of age, this cornea is going strong and to all appearances has another good 123 years in it. And, and what's really interesting about that is that is living human tissue, 123 years old with, uh, with an indefinite future in front of it. I had no idea – that they were doing corneal transplants in 1950, and I was I- intrigued to read. I guess that it was not that new of a procedure even in 1950, and that there could be older corneas out there uh, circulating. Uh, that, but this is the oldest documented uh, human living body part. The, the, yeah, well. that, yeah. Apparently, the, this this particular recipient is still around and, and doing well at 80 years of age. So. Right. Yeah. So it's it's entirely possible that uh, that another one. Has been passed on to someone else who was an organ donor, and that uh, you, you could have somebody on the third or fourth generation of a cornea. Who knows how long they last? It's a, it's, a, it's an intriguing thought. But what what uh, one of the things that Reason wants to point out there is that this is human tissue, right. because we accept the idea that some organisms can live a long time. We accept that a tortoise can live several hundred years, that a sequoia tree can live you know, thousands of years, that there, that there are organisms that can live a long time, but we're not one of them. Yeah. And um, he would argue, I think, and, and does argue that there's no, there's no biological reason, there's no physical reason why we couldn't be one of them. And the fact that a human body part uh, doesn't appear to have an expiration date stamped on it, at least this one part doesn't, just goes to show you that that could apply to other parts of the human body. And indeed... Ultimately, could apply to an entire human organism. Right. Right. And and you know it's it's just a matter of uh, learning how to fix these
1: things, and uh, so keep uh, keep ourselves going. So exactly, that's like, yeah. That's, that's we, the we, whole point of the strategies of engineered negligible senescence. The, uh, Aubrey de Grey's uh,
0: uh, outline in his book uh, "Ending Aging," and as he explained to us when we interviewed him on Fast Forward Radio, what was that about a year and a half ago, I guess? Right. Right. Yeah um the 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 idea of making all of a human body um, absent an expiration date the way the way this cornea is that's the that's the goal and uh i think that that, that the existence of that one body part is uh, is a very encouraging sign towards the fact that we will ultimately get to the human body without a without an expiration date on it Okay, well, I think we're getting close to our time. Uh, I wanted to talk just for a couple of minutes about our program next week because we're going we're going to have a very special show next week. As you know, coming up November fifteenth and sixteenth at the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California, is going to be uh, Convergence 08. Right. And this is uh, this is an unconference, uh, which which I'll, I'll explain that a little bit here in a moment, but this is uh, what the Foresight Vision Weekend has morphed into. The Foresight Vision Weekend has evolved into something uh, bigger than the event that it originally was, and we'll actually have Christine Peterson from Foresight Nanotech on our program on Sunday talking about this event and how we've made this leap from uh, the Foresight Vision Weekend to Convergence 08.0. What's cool about this is we're not going to be uh, attending just a uh, Foresight Nanotech event, which is cool enough on its own, just to get together with with, with the usual gang of uh, senior associates at Foresight Nanotech is always a treat and loads of fun, but this event is also going to be sponsored by um, H+, the World Transhumanist Association, and several other Futurist organizations, including the Singularity Institute for Artificial Intelligence, uh, the Lifeboat Foundation, and a number of other groups. So we're going to have Christine. Hence the name convergence. So. Yeah. that's the name convergence. The, the, these different groups, uh, who are, uh, you know, I have to say, it's not like uh, it's not like these organizations are strangers to the Foresight Vision Weekend. You you see many familiar faces from each of these organizations at the typical uh, Foresight Vision Weekend, but this is the first time that that the different groups have all had a piece of the action, as it were. They're, they're, they're all owners of the event. And it, it's an event that belongs to each of these groups as well as to um, as well as to Foresight Nanotech. So this is a this is kind of a big deal. Um, the the Vision Weekend's been going on for a long time. As you know I'm a big advocate of uh of the Foresight Vision Weekend. It's one of my favorite events of the year. I will be attending. So I'm I'm hoping to provide a uh Report on the Vision Weekend from there, and we're looking forward to having Christine on the program on Sunday. We'll also have PJ Manny from uh, H+. I've also invited a couple of other uh, major figures from a couple of the other organizations. Haven't heard back from them yet, so I won't say their names yet. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to create an expectation of guests that we're that, that we're not able to deliver on. But at least for sure, we'll have uh, PJ and Christine on. Probably a couple of other folks, and it promises to be a very exciting time hearing about what the unconference is all about. Um, I got to participate in that last year, and this is a really unique format that they put together, Stephen, where uh, people who have something interesting to say put it up on the board and say, for this time period, I'm going to talk about this particular subject. And everyone who's interested in that, for that time period, they go into that room and they listen to that uh, what that person has to say on that subject. So it's a, it's a conference to the extent that uh, people who – Share common interests in these future-facing uh, events, get together, but it's an unconference because you don't go in with a set program. You go in only with the knowledge that you're going to be meeting with some really exciting people who have some really exciting things to say, and the program forms sort of in a in an organic way as you go throughout the weekend. Well,
1: uh, PJ was uh, you know had asked us to come and to be part of that. I, you know, it's uh, I just I'm unable to, I'm going to be unable to uh, make it this year, and I, I hate that because I I know how much uh, how much fun and how
0: informative it was for you when you were able to go. But, yeah, well, I don't think I, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to go next year, Stephen. So I think we're we're gonna just let's start planning now for you to attend uh, Convergence 09. I think that's what. Uh, well, let's just, yeah, let's just plan for that to happen. So we'll, just, we'll, we'll start making that the plan now. But anyway, we'll look forward to having uh, Christine and PJ and possibly some other folks from Convergence 08 on the program on Sunday. And uh, I guess I get to talk about the music tonight. Well, the- I, I, I know what the uh, title and the song is. This is Brandon Hedgegoth
1: and Friends is the name of the band. And the song is She Took Me Nowhere.
0: All right. She Took Me Nowhere. So we're going to listen to Brandon Hedgecock and Friends with She Took Me Nowhere. Uh, Stephen, thank you very much. It's been great, as always. Uh, Matt Doing, thank you, and thanks to all our friends in the chat room. And to everyone listening, we look forward to being with you again this Sunday to talk about Convergence 08 on the next Fast Forward Radio. Until then, good night.